Welcome to the Grazing Grass Podcast, episode 26. I would say to take it slow, um, be your own be your own person. Um, don't expect to be, you know, the Greg Judys or the Gabe Browns or the Jim Garrishes, you know, right off the bat. You're listening to the Grazing Grass Podcast, helping grass farmers learn from grass farmers. I'm Cal Hardage, your host. On today's episode, we have Travis Ellis of Ellis Sheep Company. He's going to share about his journey in getting started with hair sheep, coming from a background of wool sheep. And then we take a deep dive in the overgrazing section into his fencing practices. Travis, we want to welcome you to the Grazing Grass Podcast. We're excited you're here again. Thanks, Cal. I'm honored and blessed to be chatting with you tonight. I love what you're doing with the podcast. Well, thank you. And for everyone out there, I said again, because Travis and I have had a couple tries at this, just getting through some technological issues. <laughs> it's been fun. <laughs> Travis, can you tell us about yourself and your operation? Yeah, I'm Travis Ellis, and along with my wife, we started Ellis Sheep Company in 2019. Uh, we're located in Maysville, Missouri, which is about an hour north of Kansas City. We raise... Uh, purebred registered St. Croix hair sheep and a few lane hens on roughly 30 acres. Uh, the sheep are registered in the St. Croix Hair Sheep International Association and that's I'm the North Central Director for the association which is a huge blessing. I'm pretty honored to, to be a part of that. Yes, yes. Now how long have you had sheep? So this this round I've just started in 2019 but I had my journey goes back clear to clear to high school, um, which I've been out of. I'm, I'm getting older, so I'm 32. So I've been out of <laughs> out of high school for a while. But in in high school for my SAE project in FFA, I raised just some uh, crossbred wool sheep, and I wasn't I didn't I wasn't practicing rotational grazing with them. Just mainly just turn them out into pasture and hope they have enough grass to to last the summer. Then feed hay. You know, and I would lay them in January, and there's, you know, I'd feed them, feed them grain and stuff. So I had a lot of inputs. So I'm sure that wasn't very profitable for me in in high school. Um, then after high school, I, I sold my flock, and I I went to college about four hours away, and so I, I sold them. And but my grandpa's had wool sheep um, in this entire time, so I'd come back and I'd help him. Uh, take care of them on, you know, breaks and summer and weekends and stuff like that. And he, uh, whenever I told him I was getting back into sheep, he joked with me and said that I'm not a sheep person, that I couldn't do it. <laughs> so that's always been a challenge challenge for me with him saying that. And I, I work hard every day uh, to make him proud, and I think I have on my journey so far. Very good, very good. Now, you had wool sheep, but now you have hair sheep. Yes. Uh, How'd that process go? Well, we had... Whenever Melissa, my wife, and I got married, we bought some cattle and put on this small acreage, and uh, we just figured out we couldn't have. We had like four or five head, and just you know, it was just more of a pain than anything. So I decided we sold them, and you know, went on and didn't have anything for a little while. And then our son was born in 2018. I wanted to get him involved in some livestock because I I love being around livestock whenever I was little, and I told her I said we're gonna let's get into sheep. And um, she's all for it. She's like, "Yeah, let's let's do it." And so, being being wool sheep, my my vision was, you know, a Suffolk 
that was my breed I was going after. Oh, yes. And there were several around here, and I liked the registered side of it. So I, I started doing more research about different things, and I found the hair sheep breed, and um, I'm like, then that I dove in deeper. And this is all over about like five or six months of me trying to decide. And I finally, oh, yes. I finally decided on the St. Croix, and it was just trying to, you know, tracking them down and, and, and getting them. So we've uh, we've traveled traveled quite a ways to, to get some. Why did you choose St. Croix? I chose St. Croix for uh, a few different reasons. Um, first and foremost was their parasite resistance. The more that I, I talked to different producers, they've never wormed um, their flock in 15, 20 years. And the two or three people that I had I'd contacted about them, um, they've got great mothering abilities. Um, you don't have to shear them, which was a, was a big plus. That's a big plus. They're, they've got high lambing percentages. A lot of people get twin averages, which I thought was which I thought was great. And they're oh, now yes. that I have them, and it wasn't reason why I chose, but they're extremely extremely hardy. Um, they're out in the elements, and it doesn't. And they eat anything, so it's it's pretty good. And probably the last reason that I chose them is there wasn't very many of them around here, and. I wanted to be a little bit different and kind of stand out. Oh, yes. And whenever I say travel, we, um, my brother-in-law and uh, my good friend and coworker, um, Brad, we drove to Louisville and picked up our, the first three. And then on the way home, we stopped in central Illinois and picked up another four. So that was our first, our first seven kind of foundation use. And we, I bought a Ram from the lady in Louisville. And then in March 2020, we made a trip to Fort Worth, Texas, just outside of there, and bought seven bred ewes and um, brought them home, and we lambed them all out, and we've kept them ewes and sold sold majority of the rams from them. And um, then we made another trip to Fort Worth um, to buy some more uh, this past December. So the truck and trailer will travel. And, um, Oh yes. I just, I just, I just love the St. Croix. So I'm, I'm extremely pleased with them. Now for, for most of us, there's not too many St. Croix in our area. I know when I uh, was looking for hair sheep, the St. Croix was something of interest to me, but there was nobody around here with any. Can you describe what they look like, how they compare in size to some of the more common breeds? Yeah, they're they're very similar to the uh, Katahdins. Um, they're the oh, ewes yes. will be roughly 150 pounds, and the the Rams can get up to to 200. Mine are all white. They're pulled. They're you know the Rams have the 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 mane on them, um, kind of like the Katahdins do. In my association, it's you know they're white and pulled. Oh yes. Um, so they're you know they're not a the, compared to the Suffolks and the wool breeds they're they're a smaller animal um, but that's what I was kind of looking for because I wanted to go on this um, regenerative path and I wanted something smaller nothing too big. Yes, I I believe the Katahdins used Saint Croix as one of their bases when it was getting developed. Okay, all right. I didn't realize that. I'm trying to look it up. Yeah, he started with St. Croix ewes <laughs> to Maine from St. Croix. And he had, now I'm taking this um, OSU Oklahoma State website as gospel, but we'll 
We'll go yeah. with it. I am a graduate of OSU, yep. so we have well, to bear with that. You got to stick to your alma mater. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so then he, and I'm saying he, the the developers of Katahdin's, uh, Michael Pill. Okay. He um, then he included some other breeds in there until he formulated the Katahdin, so he got it settled on what he wanted. In okay. It. I thought there was there was some relationship. Or they were related some yep, way. Yep. I know a fair number of Katahdins. That's what I typically see around here. Yep. St. Croix, I don't know that I see any around here. But as you talk and, and reading that, I might have seen some. I just didn't realize yeah. it. Yeah, there's there's guys that'll, that has Katahdins, and they're like, well, that looks like, they'll look at my ram and be like, well, that looks like my ram. I'm like, well, <laughs> oh, yes. it probably has some you know yeah. characteristics the same. So. I do know with my Katahdin use, I've got some that's a little finer bone, yep. and I've got some that are really heavy bone. Okay. It's uh, just two different body mm-hmm. types. And to me, it, the heavy bone ones are a little bit bigger use, but the lighter bone ones look like they carry more meat. Oh, yep. I don't know if that's everyone's experience or, or just, m- just my flock. flock. Yeah, yeah. That's what I, I, I see some a few differences in, in the flock that I got from from Louisville and the flock I got from Texas. Oh yes. There's, you know, you know, some facial features and their, their, their body's a little bit different. Um, but they're all happy, healthy. So. Oh yes. Well, very good. That's the important part. Yeah, exactly. Tell us a little bit about your environment. So we know what you're working in. When's your first and last freeze? What kind of rainfall do you get there? Okay. Yeah. Our last frost is usually a April 20th 23rd somewhere in that in that ballpark and oh, okay the first would be october uh, 8th 9th 10th somewhere somewhere in there also oh, yes. yeah we get roughly 38 to 40 inches of rain a year oh um, yes it seems like it doesn't want to rain you know july august but you know <laughs> i think that's kind of yes. typical everywhere but um it's been raining here lately pretty good so we welcome all of it that we can get oh yes my my grandpa always says we don't want to start missing rings exactly yeah you you know you miss one you can probably make it but you don't want that missed rain to become two missed rains yep 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 and i think a a book i read um it said um it's not how much rain you you get it's how much rain you keep so that's uh always stuck in my stuck in my head Yes, that's that's very true, and that's one thing. Is as we rotate and manage pastures and use more regenerative practices, we're hoping to leave more cover on that ground and make the soil more absorbent, so we're not giving all that w- water to the neighbor or letting it flow back to the ocean. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, what kind of forages do you have for your sheep? Well, it's it's mainly fescue, and we're starting to get quite a bit of clover in there. Um, then we've the clovers are are red and and white uh last year just exploded with the white but it sounds like that's the way it was all through the midwest it sounds like so we weren't the only ones it's what happened here yeah. too <laughs> well and i'm not you know a legume's a legume so uh it's it came up for a reason <laughs> yes. and, and did it so i we welcomed it and the sheep the sheep ate it um we've got some oh, yes. um some Korean Lespedeza and some Cerisa Lespedeza, which, you know, most of the cattle farmers and everybody just absolutely hates the Cerisa Lespedeza. But I've got just a small patch of it, and the the sheep just go crazy over it. 
And so, which I've done a little bit of research on that and, you know, with the, it's kind of like a natural dewormer for them. So, you know, I'll, uh, I'll pass them through there and they'll, they'll eat on it and kind of take care of it and be all right with it. Yes. It's a great forage to have with your sheep. Yeah. I'm not probably going to go out and plant it, but, um, it, it's, it's there in, in a little spot. So, and then, uh, we have uh, switchgrass and brome and uh, a little bit of Timothy, um, and then, uh, the so-called weeds that that people people call them. We have horseweed and multiflor rose and broom sedge and and poison ivy and uh, that I have a couple funny stories with the broom sedge and poison ivy. Is I've always heard that nothing eats the broom sedge, but I just a few weeks ago I I moved the sheep and I parked their little shelter on top of a big big bunch of broom sedge. I wanted them to to trample it oh, in yes. and stuff and. I go out there the next day and I'm like, gosh, dang, that looks, that looks like they've ate that. And, um, so I get my plant ID app out and I take a picture of it and it says broom sedge. I'm like, no, that, that can't be, that can't be. And (laughs) so I go over to one that isn't eight and, um, it's, it, it says it's broom sedge. I'm like, okay, well, so they've, they've stripped the top off of the off the broom sedge oh yeah so i was i was pretty impressed by that well very good. yeah and then the the poison ivy um last summer about mid-june i turned them into an kind of an old fence row and um they went right to that that fence and started eating every leaf off that poison ivy and at, at that rate <laughs> I, I i told my wife i said we just need to start planting poison ivy if they're going to go crazy over it <laughs> <laughs> there you go uh so <laughs> about i mean and then i have you know little sprouts of locust trees and stuff like that anything green they just seem to to eat so i oh, every, yes. everything everything is a forage to them <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah now have you planted anything or have any plans to plant anything we we haven't we haven't since we've owned the sheep whenever we first uh, bought the property in a few years you know after that we did some broadcast you know some clover and we broadcasted the uh korean lespedeza oh yes and it's last year is the first time that we'd seen the korean lespedeza come up it's not super thick so i'm excited to see what that does um but the clovers are coming are coming pretty good very good i'd like to possibly drill um you know some seed in in a in just a few spots see how that goes but drills are expensive and i i would love to have one but i <laughs> yeah. look at the prices and <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's not happening <laughs> yep <laughs> now as you're grazing a couple of questions i have on my list that i really um don't think i ask too often uh-huh. what do you do when you have more forages than you can graze well so last summer i was in that predicament and possibly this i think i'm a little understocked so oh yes kinda, this kind of goes right in my alley. Um, I try to go as fast as I can whenever I have a lot just to kind of keep the seed heads off. Um, right. But it's I, I usually let it get off, the seed heads get on there before I can get them around there. And I've used I've used my lawnmower and kind of clipped off some just to kind of get it, you know, back down. And, oh, um, yes. Dad's, my, my dad's got a brush cutter that I'm, I'm thinking that if I get let it get too ahead of me, then I'll – I'll use it, but this year I, I'm a little bit better. Um, I've got I've more than doubled my flock since last summer, so I think I'm pretty oh, close yes. to just a little bit under my stocking rate. But I think I can get them around a lot quicker to get them seed heads and still get my recovery that I need on my other grasses. 
Oh, yeah. You do have quite the opponent there because when Fescue decides it wants to seed, it wants to seed. It does, yeah. And there's <laughs> there's no turning back. Now, um, talking about springtime and the flush of grass you have, what about winter? Do you try and stockpile forages for winter? Yeah, we do. About the middle of August or whatever, they say we try to keep all we try to stockpile as close to the house as we can just i don't have water clear down to the south end and you know no electricity so i try to keep them keep the stockpile up closer to the house but we'll so we'll keep them off of that until absolutely you know we need to december january we will bring them closer to the house whenever the weather gets you know worse and we can plug in tank heaters and stuff so Usually, usually by the middle to end of August, will they'll all of the sheep will be f- the farthest away from the house and the barns is um, that they that they'll be and just kind of keep working them back up. And I'm gonna try something I've heard um, a couple other of your guests have said um, making more than one pass on stockpile. Oh yes, um, this year I'm gonna I'm gonna try that uh, instead of eating it all the way down in one pass. I'm gonna I'm gonna see how the sheep do on doing multiple passes so i'm excited oh yes i'm not excited for winter but i'm excited to try that (laughs) right yeah i'm just happy to have some green grass so let's not get too far ahead of ourselves exactly i'm in my i'm in my busy time right now with the lambs and stuff and i i I like this time so there's not a whole lot going on you know in the dead of winter for me so oh yeah Yeah. i like seeing these little lambs running around it does make quite the farm scene when you see the lambs out there with the ewes. Yeah, and we're we're right on a highway, um, so the, the oh, neighbor yes. lady she'll call and say, "Hey, can I come over and and see your lambs?" Or I'll have you know multiple people. There'll be some joggers that'll go by and say, "Hey, can you can you move your lambs up closer to the highway so we can see them?" And um, so oh, it, yes. it, it's pretty cool. Yes, it is. Now you mentioned when we were talking about stockpiling. You mentioned access to water. What are you using to water your sheep? Well, that is kind of a, a bad subject, and it's kind of a wreck at this point. But um, right now, I don't. The only water I have is is a hydrant, kind of close to the barn, which oh is yes, on the north end. So I've got to string out garden hoses, go clear down to the south. So I've got six or eight hundred feet of garden hoses and. But then in the summer that runs into problem of you know water sitting in a garden hose all day on top of the ground. It's it's really hot and sheep don't like hot water. So you you run oh, a lot yes. of you run a lot of uh, water on the ground that isn't needed. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pack just oh, yes. you know ten or fifteen gallon of water down a day um, this summer from the hydrant just in buckets and um, see how that gets me. Oh yes, I'm in the the process of applying and I heard some some good news in the past couple of days i've applied for the equip cost share through the nrcs and um that's to do interior fencing and um water so hopefully i can get started on that oh, yes. hopefully i get approved for that and i can start working on that by late summer and that'll that'll help out dramatically with the um, the water situation it will. And I was just talking to a producer the other day about the Equip loan and process. He mm-hmm. put in a lot of paddocks. I was quite impressed with how nice everything was. Um, you you visit my farm, and 
it's kind of there and you yeah i didn't yeah. spend much money and make it that way <laughs> yeah um, yeah but his was super nice i mean it was like a show farm oh yeah uh on his fencing he did a wonderful job with mm. it and he's like oh, yeah equip did all this yeah yep. i've been putting in for it for two or three years now and i think that i've it's showing some good progress and hopefully i'll get it this year and um we'll be able to put in you know i want to put in some some fencing every you know 300 feet or so maybe a little more and then water oh, water yes. and all of them you know different quick couplers and uh, a few permanent permanent water i want to be as flexible as i can right. but convenient i work off the farm so i have a limited time whenever i get home to do it and always busy on the weekends so um if i can make it as as easy as possible for me it'd be great oh yes i fully get that you know i have um, great dreams and i think i've got all these hours when i get home from my job um, it takes me a little bit just to unwind from the job of course unwinding with the cattle or the sheep's my preferred method yep. but still yeah it takes a little bit and by the time i do t very much i'm like wow is it bedtime? yeah exactly if it isn't i wish it was i'm tired <laughs> yeah by the time i get you know i get home my three-year-old's up from his nap and it's just you know oh yes. bored to, to play and i just want to sit on the couch and relax for a minute but enjoy the time while i have it. yes you, you've got to enjoy those moments now you mentioned fencing just a little bit what are you using for your fencing so we'll um mainly for the paddocks now i'm using um electric netting from premier one uh, that i've got several several rolls of that it's um i have a love-hate relationship with it um it's great um and i probably wouldn't be able to do what i'm doing without it i'm the only one that is allowed to you know pick it up and put it down put it back up because it just gets in a big knot and then if somebody else does it then i have to take the knot out and it's just it's not good <laughs> so i'm using that to, <laughs> yes i'm using that for my paddocks and then um and then i'll use some poly braid that i get at uh power flex in seymour missouri um i'll kind of divide it and um divide it into you know i can i can usually get a couple days out of out of a paddock uh, right now i'm moving them every day oh yes i kind of kind of strip graze a little bit um right now i'll uh, i'll set it up and do a you know one uh, the the rolls are 164 feet long so i'll go 164 by 164 then i'll divide that with a couple uh, poly braids per division um, and then i'll just i'll have a spot uh, the first spot they're in and then i'll just take that wire down and let them in just then let them have two-thirds of it and then the next day i'll take down the the third one so they have the full thing um, and it's work it seems like it's working out pretty well um, i'm sure my strategy will change once the the grass is slowed down but just trying to get them oh, across yes. it as fast as i can right now it takes some time i have several of them but it works for me travis what other enterprises do you have on your farm well, uh, that's that's a great question. Um, we've got a couple different. Uh, I've got an, I've got another one going with the sheep, which is um, Saint Croix breed is part of. They're a heritage breed sheep, so they're part of the Livestock Conservancy. Livestock Conservancy is a group that just watches over all the heritage breeds. It doesn't matter if it's sheep, cows, pigs, chickens, 
whatever. Well, inside of this Lifestyle Conservancy, there's a program that they have that is called Shave Them to Save Them. It's for all the sheep breeds, wool or, or hair, it doesn't matter. Fiber artists will join, and they get this passport, and I signed up as a provider um, of hair. Uh, so I, I have these stickers and I, you know, I put what breed it is and, and who I am and what date I sold it. So I go around and I, I collect the hair that the, that my sheep are shedding and they're shedding really well at this point in time. Um, or, <laughs> yes, they are. you know, I'm sure and, they are. Mine so, are. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, instead of that hair just laying there on the ground or, you know, or whatever, just, you know, it's piling up on my cattle panels um you know i'll collect (laughs) it and put it it in a put in a bag and you know i'll I'll sell it to these fiber artists and they make i'm not exactly sure what they make i'm the people i've sold it to are going to be emailing me you know what they what they do um one lady said they they might make um rugs or something it's not a it's not soft so it's 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 hair kind of like dog hair kind of that's the best way oh, I can yes. describe what it feels like. It's it's somewhat soft and has some oil in it, but um, so they they need they have to purchase four ounces. Which going into it, I'm like, oh, that can't be that much. But it's a it's a gallon Ziploc bag, completely full, stuffed full, and that is four oh, ounces. Oh, good. So <laughs> well, I was about to ask you, how much is four ounces? Of yeah, it it, but... it it takes a lot. Um, I don't make a lot of money on it. It's it's more just I want to see what these people make out of it. Oh yes, and it gets my name out there. Um, a lot of people yes. that aren't looking for sheep, you know, they hey we bought we bought um, Saint Croix um, hair fiber from uh, Ella Sheep Company. Oh so yes, it, it's really it's really cool um, to do that. So I'm I've got a, a list fairly long that I'm trying to accommodate everybody. So it's. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty cool so that's that's my other one with the sheep and i haven't heard of that program before travis so that's really interesting yeah and it's i think it's only been out a couple of years and they've actually extended it oh yes um, this year due to covid i guess and i don't know if they have a it was supposed to end this spring is what i've i've kind of gathered but they um they've extended it so People are really reaching oh, okay. out. It was a hard thing for a lot of people to find. So I have a list 15, 20 people deep oh, that, wow. that are, are wanted. So I've, I've shipped out my first uh, first batches uh, the past couple of days. So if you want uh, if you want any St. Croix hair, just shoot me an email or give me a call. But And then uh, <laughs> that's, that's really interesting. I, I'm, I'm excited to find out what they do with it. Well, I am too. I'll have to share it with everybody. <laughs> so yes yes so that's that's my that's my other enterprise with the sheep besides you know selling i mainly sell uh breeding stock seed stock uh rams and i'll sell a few ewes here and there but trying to get my get my numbers up um before i I sell too many ewes and then um the, the other animal we have we have some laying hens it started out just being something for um my son Tice and I told him I told him him and my wife I said now these are going to go out on the pasture because I want them I mainly kind of want them for that to uh, go out on the pasture and eat bugs and you know be be a uh, a chicken uh, so we started yes. out with a few a few hens um, just chicks and 
Tice loved them being a two and a half, three year old. And uh, oh, I imagine so. So Melissa's like, it's it's late December. It's and uh, they're not they're getting really close to laying to start laying, but it's December and we go down to to buy some them sheep down in by Fort Worth. And these people are they're amazing people down there. It's who we went down to and to get some of our first ones. And uh, they're moving and they're selling out, selling their flock. And of course, I bought the entire flock. And uh, so we get down there, we have the, we're getting ready to load the sheep up and they say, um, you want any chickens? I'm like, yeah, I'll take a few. You know, Melissa's, Melissa would like some eggs. And so we start carrying chickens to the trailer and we carried 26 chickens to the trailer. And <laughs> they, they're like, nah, yes. you can just have them all. <laughs> so we headed home with, with a trailer full of sheep and a, the back of the truck kind of uh, a livestock um container deal full of 26 chickens so <laughs> <laughs> very good i called melissa on the way home i said you're gonna have eggs tonight <laughs> <laughs> so that's always a, a funny story but i've met some amazing oh, yes. people i've met some amazing people with these sheep um in the association out of the association uh sheep are taking me amazing places and i love it very good very good now, on your journey thus far, what kind of challenges have you encountered? My biggest one that it's kind of my personality. I'm getting better at it, um, hence why I'm on here, is uh, the marketing. <laughs> um, I'm not a huge put myself out there kind of guy. Um, I'll talk your leg off if I know you. So marketing them for, for, breeding, for breeding stock and is uh, has been hard, but... You know, the use of Internet and Facebook, Instagram, stuff like that is really, really helping me. Uh, I was able to sell majority of my Rams last year um, to to people here, semi-local. But um, oh, yes, I'm branching out and that's been my biggest my biggest challenge this year. So I'm getting better, but that's what you're supposed to do. Get better at things. Right. 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 Yeah. And if you didn't have challenges, everybody be doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Where do you see your farm going in the next few years? I'd like to, I, th I think my stock, my stocking rate is around 80 ewes. So I'm about halfway there, but I don't want to go too fast. I don't want to get way too many for what my grasses will handle. So I'm going to take yes. that uh, slow. I maybe in the next four to five years be able to get to that number. Just because I don't want to, I don't want to have a train wreck going on, and I have to sell ewes right. in you know the middle of the summer. Um, so I'm going to take that slow, get my grasses up. I don't want a whole lot more chickens because <laughs> it seems like everybody around here has laying hens, and oh, so yes. you can't hardly can't hardly get rid of the eggs. But we'll we eat a few and give some out, and we sell a few. Um, I'd like to try try some broilers just for our use and mainly for the pasture. And then um, oh, I yes. like the idea of pigs. Um, I've got some timber back behind me that I could possibly use them. But on the sheep aspect, that's mainly going to be the, the main goal. So get my stock up in the next four to five years, and I'll be, I'll be pretty happy with that. Very good. Travis, we've reached the portion in our podcast, our overgrazing section. It's where we take a deep dive into a practice on your farm or something you're doing. What are we going to take a, a deep dive into? I'd like to dive in on my uh, on how I build my perimeter fence and my temporary temporary paddocks with my electric netting, if that's cool with you. 
Hey, that sounds wonderful. So tell us about your perimeter fence. So just a little background on on what I what I kind of do. I've, my dad and brother-in-law and I have a side gig where we build. It's mainly five, five barbed wire fence um, for neighbors and, you know, just a kind of side gig off, you know, off the farm. But uh, so I like the the traditional five steels and a and a hedge line. That's kind of where oh, yes. where my mind goes. So I've I didn't want hedge because I didn't want to have to deal with insulators. So I, I use a, a fiberglass from Powerflex. Um, they had a four and a half inch and a three and a half inch post fiberglass post that I would fill them with foam, just some great stuff. Just stick something in and 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 kind of cap it a little bit. Then I drive Hell them yes. as I drive the four and a half inch post as my corner and my second, and then I'd put a three and a half inch post um, for the brace, and then I would um, then I'd use inch and a quarter uh, sucker rod that was five foot, and I'd put them as per se the steel post, and then I use another three and a half inch fiberglass post as a as a line, and then um, for the wire I'm using it, again it's wire from um, PowerFlex down there in Seymour. Um, it's it's a stay tough stay tough brand. It's a 35, oh, yes. 36-inch. It's an electrified woven wire. So the entire thing is hot, um, which there's probably people who's going to say that it's overkill and you don't, you don't need that for sheep. But I sleep better at night knowing that it's around the property and um, that coyotes probably can't get in it. I have guardian animals in with the sheep also, but it just helps me. I know I can sleep easy knowing that if a coyote's going to get in, he's going to get he's going to get zapped. Um, that's what I kind of do for my for my perimeter, and then I'll then I'll run one uh, a twelve gauge, um, just single hot wire on top of those uh, about a an inch above it. I'll, I'll leave that woven about two inches off oh, the yes. ground. I'll leave the charger on it, you know, running all the time and keeps the weeds knocked down and it, it's pretty good well very good i'm sure that makes a attractive fence and you know it may be overkill but the important part is you get your sleep uh, exactly you know you you've got to feel secure yep and i think you mentioned earlier you're on a highway yes yes i i am on a highway uh, it's not a super busy highway but i mean we get quite a bit of traffic um so it, it'll keep we have a few stray dogs that'll come up and up and down the highway so oh yeah uh, it helps it helps with that too and then my my portable well before you jump to the portable you said you drive your corner post in so yep. you driving them in rather than digging a hole yes yes we we drive yep. them in uh my brother-in-law has a uh, post pounder uh for the for a skid steer oh yes so um i borrow that and we we drive them in the the post come in seven and a half foot so I'm not exactly, I kind of forget how far we drove them down, but I think we have roughly four feet sticking out of the ground. So we drive them down three, three and a half feet. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, quite a ways. Yeah, yeah. And it's, they don't move. I, that's why I, I even think it's a little overkill to have the corner and the brace, but I like the way it looks. I paint the post white. Oh, yes. And, um, I, it, it, it makes a, a sharp fence. Oh, I think it would. Um, and then, Whenever I go around the post and I'll tie it off and then I'll cut the wire in the middle of the section to put the splice in 
and I'll use what they call a gripple. It's a tightening mechanism. It has a tool that it'll oh, yes. tighten it up and make the wire tight, which that makes it really nice uh, to use those. I just purchased some of those earlier this year, or actually it may have been last fall, but I've used them just a little bit, and I've heard some complaints that they may be expensive, but I love them. I mean, it makes um, yeah. tightening that wire so easy and anytime i've had to make repairs or oh. something i'm like um i hate to spend any extra but i like the yeah exactly yeah they're real slick and if you need to tighten up the fence again you know a few weeks later or whatever it's super easy you just go out there and with your yes. tool and and tighten them now we talked a little bit about your temporary fence but uh, let's go a little bit deeper on your temporary fence and what you're doing there you said you had electro netting. What electro netting are you using? So I'm using um, electric net from Premier One. It's the 93512. That's I have several. I'm gonna say I have uh, 12 or 13 rolls of oh, it. Oh yes. So what I usually do, I'll set up a 164. They come in 164 link, feet lengths, like I said before. But I'll set them up in a 164 by 164, and then I'll come back in there and I'll divide it in thirds probably or whatever whatever however much grass I think they're they can eat in a day or without overgrazing it um and then I'll I'll go about every 15 feet um I'll take about five steps and I'll put in a step in post oh okay I, I'm using two poly braid wires from from PowerFlex and I'm using their step in posts I was going to use O'Brien's but they were out, and these look just as just as good. Just kind of look just like them. It's a little bit of a knockoff, but they work. They work good for Hell me. Yes. And then I'll just hook it on there, and each day I'll, I'll I'll take it down. And I've got right now I've got enough set up and divided for a week. Um, so it it goes up fairly fairly fast. Last year I was doing I was doing like a eighty two by eighty two. I can do about any configuration with the nettings that you want to. I just like I like straight lines and even numbers. Oh yes. Yeah. So it works pretty good for me. It's kind of like a little ladder system, and then I oh, just yeah. move them. And you know, every every third or fourth day or whatever, I'll I'll take their their water and their and their shelter and their mineral and move it to the next set of netting, and um, just kind of leapfrog all of them but i've got enough now that um, i don't have to do it every time i move oh very good i've got a couple questions for you about that okay you run that poly braid are those on geared reels yes it's they are on geared reels sorry you get them to the end where do you hang that reel so that's that's been a little bit of a uh, experiment for me <laughs> and i think i finally figured it out um so on my i use PowerFlex geared reels also they they'll have them they've I've asked them to they'll pre-wind the the poly braid on the reel for me and so I'll put on like a, a gate handle on the end of that instead of the plastic non-conductive handle oh yeah and I'll I'll hook that on a post and kind of overlap the wire with it um oh okay put the wire underneath the hook of the handle yes and I'll run that you know lengthways or however i want to do it and i overstep there i have to you have to set the reel on the outside of the fence and you got to run it through the fence and then take it and hook it on then whenever you come back i've um i'll put a step in post right on the inside of the of the paddock 
and then oh, yes. on the outside, and the reels are sitting on the outside of the, the wire. And I take a piece of rubber, and I set it on the ground, and then I take a, a post, and I'll shove it in the ground, and I'll, that'll, that's what's holding my reels from tight oh, from, yes. to keep them tight. So they're not – I did have them hanging on the wire, on the fence, on the netting, and that was just a disaster. And uh, then I'll take a pigtail post, and I'll hook on the top of that, that post and kind of pull it backwards, and it keeps tension on them. Uh, quite a bit. I'll take a picture of them and put it on my Instagram or something um, of how I do oh, that. Oh, okay. That sounds sounds good. Yeah, it's 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 taken me quite a while to figure that out. Um, PowerFlex does make a post that'll go in the ground that you can hang them on, um, but I didn't want to spend a hundred bucks because I right now I have I know, I've got six or seven of them out, so that'd be six or seven hundred bucks that I'd have to spend oh, yes. if I wanted to keep up paddocks like that. Yeah, so it, it worked. It works out pretty good. Very good, very good. Uh, one thing we didn't cover in talking about all this electric fence: what kind of energizer are you using, and what kind of voltage are you running? So I've got right now. I'm running a six joule uh, stay fix. It'll run. I'll, I'll get six to seven thousand with my netting in the winter. Now in the summer, I have so much netting on it. Um, I'll try to unhook as much as I can. But with the weed load and stuff, it'll drop to three to four thousand. Oh um, yes, I'll I'll take the lawnmower out there if the grass gets too much and and mow a path before I set it up. But the more that I, the more fence I put on and the the kind of the more cross fences I do, I'm gonna have to upgrade. But I'll either go with a a stay fix, which they're speed right now, um, or uh, I've been looking at the cyclopses. I was trying to think. I don't want to say this wrong. Um, I think August that was on the podcast was big about the Cyclops. Okay. If yeah, if I'm I wrong, I'm going to edit it out, but I think that's correct. Okay. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> but, yeah, they're an American-made product, which that's, that's nice. The only thing that they don't have, which I could be wrong on this now, but last I knew is that they don't have the remote shutoff which the speed right stay fix that'd be really handy. I love my remote, so that would be a yeah. <laughs> a hard um sell for me to give that up. Yep. Well, Travis, we really appreciate it. Uh, thus far and we're time for our famous four questions. Same four questions we ask of all of our guests. Our first question, what's your favorite grazing grass related book or resource? All right, I've I've thought I thought hard about this, and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go two. One's gonna be a book, and one's gonna be a technological, um, very good uh, resource. So my book is uh, "Dirt to Soil" by Gabe Brown. Oh yes, um, just that book's just chock full of good information, and I think he is the one that said, you know, it's not much how much rain you get, it's how much rain you keep. Oh um, yes, and that that really resonated home with me, and and the monoculture is uh, how he puts it that nature doesn't throw up monocultures; it's it's always you know multiple species and stuff like that. And so that that book really, I really enjoyed that book. Um, and then my my second one is going to be podcasts, uh, you know, podcasts like this one and Clay um, well, Connery's Working Cows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, this is this is one of my favorite. Um, and then, you know, the working cows podcast, grass fed life. 
Um, you know, I can go on with several others, but it, it's such a great, I, I appreciate you guys that, that do these, uh, just a wealth of knowledge and, uh, especially this one's, you know, got guys on it like me that are doing this or we can all kind of band together and, and, um, do it together. But I, I drive so much for work that, you know, I don't have a whole lot of time to read that I just, you know download a podcast and I'll listen to it as I drive. So that that's one of the really nice features about podcasts. Um, I cum- commute between sites and, and I usually have a podcast on anytime I'm commuting between sites. Yep. Yep. It, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty great. What tool could you not live without on your farm? I want to say my Polaris Ranger cause I'm on that baby every day checking, going, checking them. But it's it's a hundred percent got to be my electric netting. I know I've talked oh, about yes. it quite a bit, and if it wasn't for the electric netting, I I wouldn't be here today. Um, I I I wouldn't wanna I wouldn't trust the my sheep to stay in the poly braid and coyotes out. It's whoever whoever invented that you know <laughs> should be retired retired oh, pretty yes. well. <laughs> yes. What would you tell someone just starting out on their grass journey? I would say to take it slow. Um, be your own, be your own person. Um, don't expect to be, you know, the Greg Judy's or the Gabe Brown's or the Jim Garrish's, you know, right off the bat, you know, they're all great mentors, but they started where, where we all did too. So, um, you know, it, it, it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, take it slow, build up and, um, your grasses and soil will, will thank you later. Excellent advice. And lastly, where can others find out more about you? Well, I'm pretty active on Instagram and Facebook, which Instagram throws it on over to Facebook. Um, I'm trying to be more active on the, the live and the stories, but uh, that's the, I don't like to put my face out there and I, I don't really <laughs> care for my voice, but who does, right? Um, <laughs> right, so, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you can find us there at Ellis Sheep Co. Uh, we have a website, uh, ellissheepco.com. Um, on there, you, we have pictures of the lambs and Tice and about us and um, whenever we're going to have, you know, breeding stock available. And it has some associations we're associated with. Um, you can you can find, find me and the board and more about St. Croix on the stcroixhairsheep.org. That's the associations page and i'm a member of the livestock conservancy so i'm on there you can find me on there too and we'll put links to all those sites on our show notes okay yeah that'd be great appreciate that and sharing about what you're doing about your journey and i I appreciate you trying this a couple times while we figured out these difficulties yeah it's it's been fun. I mean, even through the difficulties, we'll we'll rise to the occasion. There we go. It's been it's been great, Cal. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I appreciate it very much. Well, thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Travis. And for the show notes, visit grazinggrass.com. We have the show notes there for each episode, as well as links to the items talked about in the show. And as we've mentioned before, if you are interested in being a guest on the Grazing Grass podcast, we have a form there. Be our guest. Tell us about you. And we will see if we can work something out. Also, if you're thinking, oh, I really wish 
Cal had asked this question, or this is a great question. Go to the website and put in Ask Your Question. For those listeners who have done that in the past, thank you. We are working on getting those answers and getting episode or multiple episodes put together. You're listening to the Grazing Grass Podcast, helping grass farmers learn from grass farmers. And as always, we appreciate you listening and encourage you to share this episode with someone who might find it valuable. Also, leave a comment, review, any or all of the above. And as always, keep on grazing. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. I know I did. Thank you for listening. And if you found something useful, please share it. Share it on your social media. Tell your friends. Get the word out about the podcast. Helps us grow. If you happen to be a grass farmer and you'd like to share about your journey, go to grazinggrass.com and click on Be Our Guest. Fill out the form and I'll be in touch. We appreciate your support by sharing our episodes and telling your friends about it. You can also support our show by buying our merch. We get a little bit back from that. Another way to support the show is by becoming a Grazing Grass Insider. Grazing Grass Insiders enjoy bonus content, monthly Zooms, and discounts. You can visit the website, grazinggrass.com, click on support, and they'll have the links there. Also, if you haven't left us a review, please do. It really helps us as people are searching for podcasts. And I was just checking them, and we do not have very many reviews for 2024. So if you haven't left us a review, please do. Until next time, keep on grazing grass.